Hey, everybody, and welcome back to the Food Biz Whiz podcast. This is another episode in our series called Is It Worth It, Charlie?, where I help students inside our retail-ready community think through pivotal decisions that they're about to make in their business to help them determine whether or not moving forward with that decision is worth it. Now, if you are joining us for the first time, I'm Charlie Birkinshaw, and in addition to running my own CPG business, Element Shrub, I also support and advise our students inside our retail-ready course and community. In today's episode, I will be sitting down with fellow Retail Ready student, Catherine Hennen of Planet B. Now, Catherine and I actually sat down last year to talk about whether or not co-packing was worth it for her. So I thought it'd be fun to have her back on the show and see what has happened since she was last with us. So if you are thinking about going down the co-packing route, I'm excited for you to listen in and let's find out from her whether or not co-packing was worth it. I'm Allie Ball, former grocery buyer and retail store manager turned wholesale consultant. In my role on the retail floor, I saw delicious, values-driven brands fail on our shelves simply because they didn't understand the behind the scenes of wholesale. I created the Food Biz Whiz podcast to give you hard-to-access insight from my career in the food industry and the tools and strategies to help you succeed on retail shelves. If you're a committed food founder who's looking to create and grow a packaged products business that positively impacts our food system, puts wealth back into your own hands, and employs members of your local community, you have found the right podcast. Let's do this. Before we get further in the episode, I've got a free resource that builds on today's show. It's the mini version of my reorder checklist. We all know it's one thing to land on a new retail shelf, and it's a whole other thing to make sure you're selling through once you're there. In my mini reorder checklist, you'll learn the key ways to onboard a new retailer so that you're much, much more likely to get those reorders coming in fast. Grab the Cliff Notes version of our reorder checklist in our show notes, or if you're a retail-ready student who's listening, find our long-form version and our training directly on our course platform. Catherine, welcome back to the podcast. It's so great to have you on the show today. Hi, Charlie. Okay, so for any of you listeners that are just joining us and maybe haven't heard the podcast episode that we did with Catherine back in August of 2022 to talk about whether or not uh, co-packing was worth it for her. One, I'll encourage you to go back and listen to that episode just so you have a little context here. Um, but again, just thought it'd be fun to check in and see whether my advice was actually helpful and sort of what happened and you know see, see how things are going. So uh, before we jump into our conversation, though, would you mind just reintroducing yourself to our audience, Catherine? Yes, of course. So at my company, Planet Bake, we make nutrition-rich almond cake donuts, and they're sugar-free, vegan, gluten-free, with no sugar alcohols, no artificial ingredients. And we are actually one of the first dessert companies that combine the vegan product with zero added sugar of any kind. And it, we cater to people who are very health-cautious, uh, reducing their sugar intakes or are diabetic. Amazing. Uh, sounds amazing. Uh, <laughs> I uh, okay. And, and last last time uh, we talked, you were 
you were sort of on the brink of starting to potentially work with a co-packer. So it's been yes. almost exactly a year. What's what's going on? <laughs> how how are how are things going? And and I think if I if I remember last time, we were trying to answer questions like, you know, how are you going to plan for the best and worst case scenarios when using a co-packer? What financial constraints should you consider? And then sort of how to move forward with your current resources, right? So let me maybe set the stage here. So coming out of that conversation, what was something that really helped you decide either way, whether moving forward with that um, would be a good idea and what what might have had a positive impact? <laughs> Yeah. So after we had last spoken on the podcast, um, I actually made the decision to move forward with everything um, that we discussed. And um, I hired an agency called Ricardo Groups. And just to give a little background, they are a sourcing firm for contract manufacturing, contract packaging and private label needs. And they have a ton of contacts in the United States and a very good reputation. Great. So anyway, I just had a few weeks um, after the Ricardo, with working with Ricardo Group has helped me navigate to start a conversation with a co-packer near me. Um, yeah, and we went from making basically the initial connection with them about discussing term scheduling, um, the test trial run, and negotiating storage fees. So uh, when I was working with Ricardo, everything was pretty um, going well and smooth. Um, and in context to that, what happened before is, um, when I went out to, uh, um, looking for manufacturing facilities myself, it never went well. So uh, what I mean by is most co-packers would ask for a trial run, take my money and actually never follow up with you on the actual production. So they were oh, never wow. really in the... I don't know if they were just too small to handle it, if they didn't want to. You know, there was probably many um, issues on their side, which, you know, taking on a new brand and making their product. Um, so my advice would be um, to actually hire somebody who has years of experience. In addition, I have learned a lot during the process of working with somebody like Ricardo Food Group, um, you know, just understanding how everything works and how how people within the operations, how everything is scheduled and the operations and, you know, margins and all, how it was all basically connected to each other. Mm, got it. And so just, just to be clear, you hired them at what, at right after we took the call and they, you're still working with them or are they a group that just helps you find their facility? And then after that, they, sort of say thank you and move on? Or do they help manage the the day-to-day -day after that as well? So I'm still in contact with them. Um, it's not really the day-to-day -day that they manage, but if there's any uh, problems, which I will get into it a little bit later, uh, that's when they would step in and make sure that, um, you know, everything is um, aligned and agreed on. Got it. Um, okay. Great. I, I mean, I'm really glad that they uh, were able to help you wherever they'll teach you. It sounds like they gave you a little bit of leverage that you didn't have just sort of by yourself as a small brand with, you know, trying to find your own co-packer. 
Uh, what was the sort of timeline from when you hired them to, I guess, when you were able to find a co-packing facility that you liked? Just to give sort of our listeners and retail ready students a sense of, hey, I want a co-packer. Well, like, what's the reality of when you can actually get started? <laughs> Yeah, I mean, usually everybody tells you to take about six months time to find a good partner. Um, so when I was speaking with Ricardo Food Group, I basically mentioned, you know, I need somebody as soon as possible because this was my decision at the time. And I made this because I wanted to improve profit margins. Um, that also didn't go so well. but <laughs> um, So basically... Uh, you know, I started with the co-manufacturing facility. Once we found them, we negotiated the terms. Um, then I got um, my first test run. And as soon okay. as we basically did that test run within the facility, that's when we both decided, okay, this is a good fit and we're moving production forward. So by December, um, we had done our um, uh, our seasonal flavors with them. And I was actually able to double my uh, numbers of stores that I was in. Um, amazing. For the scaling, which was what I intended to do, you know, scale faster yeah. and spend more time on the sales side uh, in regards to spending more time in a commercial kitchen. And then in uh, through the process, I've learned a lot that my product basically wasn't ready for a manufacturing line. Mm -hmm. So when I found out, you know, this is really at the beginning when I first went to them, I, I was looking at the line and I was like, okay, they're going to give me the same price as in a commercial kitchen right now because the the whole setup doesn't work. It's still manual labor. So we went, I went back and I looked at everything that needed to change in order to make the profit margin go up for me. So... My first thing was in uh, January, um, I actually changed, um, you know, started on working on the revamp of the packaging, mm -hmm. uh, Okay, which we needed to move to roll stock. And I did that. Um, we launched a new roll stock in March of 2023. Um, and so during that specific time, I basically reached out to the CEO of like my co Packer, right? I reached out to him and I said, hey, listen, I know we agreed on some terms last year. Can you honor them now? Right? Yeah. <laughs> and the guy said, I'm sorry, we cannot do a product price decrease. And uh, they're like, we're going to keep it at the same rate. And I, that, that was a bummer, right? Because I was expecting with all the hard work I put into like changing the packaging, doing my consumer research on the packaging, like all of it, like spending $30,000 just to get the new Oof. new boxes, the mask, you know, everything. Yeah. He's like, no, we can't, we can't hold up to give you the better price. So uh, anyway, I had, to, you know, there's only one, you have to take it. There's nothing else you can do at this point. You got to keep going. Your stores, they want the orders. Um, but um, what I have learned out of the situation is that don't go into it too early because if something like this happens, it can actually hurt you more in that stage. Yeah. Line. Like it, it hurt me back then a little bit because sure. I put 
more time, more money. Um, I think it was too fast, too soon. Mm, got it. Um, but actually, I'm working on a solution with Ricardo Group. We're actually moving into a new facility. Um, better pricing, they're able to scale, help us scale better. Um, another issues I run in with the coral packer that I had at the very early beginning is um, they kept pushing me out of production. So basically, we had we had um, times set on the calendar. Yeah. Yeah. To run production. And then they're like, all right, we can't do it because we have a big client that wants their orders. Yeah. Yeah. No, I like they I mean like they call it line time, right? Where um you're you're sort of set up on their line to to run as yeah, if you're a smaller brand, you don't have as much leverage over the bigger brands that, you yeah. know, take up their equipment for three weeks in a row and produce all this product, right? Um yeah, I think those are really thank well, first of all, thank you for for sharing uh your experience and uh so so candidly about all of the sort of the good and you know, some of the good, some of the bad. Uh clearly I think uh when you when when you thought you were gonna come on with the co-packer, obviously you didn't know any of these things were happening, right? So uh, I one, I am uh, I'm impressed that you're still continuing to move forward. I think as um, you know, I, I see this a lot with distribution as well, where if you sort of change things once you're already in the the warehouse, like you change your pack size or you change your packaging or whatever it is, right? You're also faced with similar just additional, fees from the distributor, right? Like you have to buy back all your old product and give them new product and or sell through all your old product until your your new product is is ready to go on the shelf. And it can it can cause delays, uh both well, can cause time delays and then it can just be financially straining because of those changes. So uh, I love the tip of, okay, well, if you're gonna go into a co-packer, you know, make sure that you are the packaging that you have, the product, the recipe, the formula, all of that is dialed in so that um, so that you can really just hit the ground running. Right, right. Yeah, I I mean, that's my advice is don't start too fast on it. Like maybe get expertise from other people who have done it before and really like mentor you on a day-to-day basis. Um what I've learned now is actually I'm going to sign, I just signed a, you know, we're signing a contract um, with the new manufacturing facility because, you know, I don't want to go back to where they changed their mind all of a sudden. Yeah. Uh, and so, we have committed monthly volume that has to be met on either either side. Great. So, so it's a new co-packer or your own manufacturing facility? It's a new co-packer. Got it. Okay, great. Uh, I mean... And and that is happening. When when do you expect that change to to take place? Um, as we're speaking right now in August, got <laughs> it, it is happening like this week, basically. Got it. Got it. Okay. Uh, I mean, so it basically, it's taken a year for all of this to sort of for our original conversation of hey, should you. Should you sign up? Should you hire a co-packer? 
uh, you hired an agency, you did a test run, you redid all of your packaging, you started using that co-packer, you thought it was going to work out, it, it didn't work out, and now you've got a new co-packer with the right packaging and the right formula, and you are hopefully ready to go uh, double, double your stores again. <laughs> Exactly. Yes. And we have a lot of good things lined up and they know about it. So I'm sure, um, I mean, I hope, I mean, I'm very optimistic that everything will go well this time because, you know, lessons learned. Um, sure. Yeah. Every day you learn something new. And I feel like um, if, if you have a good team and good partners around you who will just support you and not push you down with their own problems. Yep. Yep. <laughs> Um, then it's a, uh, it's a win-win. Yeah, I totally, totally agree. Um, can I ask a couple of questions just for listeners and students that might be wondering, uh, when we talked about your sort of previous situation of working in a commercial kitchen, um, you obviously had a cost of goods sold for your, whatever your product was based on making it out of the commercial kitchen. What sort of and you don't have to obviously give specific numbers, but what sort of change did you see from moving from your commercial kitchen to a co-packer in terms of was it cheap? Did it end up being cheaper? Did it end up uh, being more expensive? Like what? I, just in terms of like expectations of sometimes you think, OK, well, I'm going to move to a co-packer and everything's going to be so, so much cheaper or like just so much more efficient. Right. Yeah, so I was still dealing with smaller numbers, right? Um, let's say you're selling 8,000 units a month, right? So sure. when you compare that from commercial kitchen to a co-packer, I saved about 15 cents per unit. Okay. Um, so that was my saving from moving over to the co-packer um, the first time. Um, and obviously, as you scale within that process with a co-packer, they should basically revisit your pricing every six months based on volume. Got it. Yeah. Okay. If that makes sense. I don't know if you agree with that, but yeah. No, I mean, I think I I hope that they review your pricing or if, if they're not reviewing your pricing, at least there's some sort of tiered structure set up at the beginning so that you know when I graduate from 8,000 units to 25,000 units, my cost per unit is going to be X. Right. Um, and and trying to figure out what uh, just sort of to plan in advance so that, you know, like, OK, well, hey, like I really want to. Sell 25,000 units a month, like and ideally, I want my cost to go down if that if that's the case. Right. And then you could sort of plan plan accordingly. Right. Yes, I agree. Uh, OK, so and the and I guess the other thing, too, is. Right. You you definitely had some hurdles getting from, you know, the first co-packer to to where we are now. Uh, but in terms of, you know, the overall like was was it worth it? Right. Because there's there's pros and cons to giving up all of that time in the kitchen to focus on sales. And obviously, you know. There's there's also time dealing with managing a co-packer, right? And managing or managing a group that's helping you 
manage the co-packer. Uh, so there's this administrative time there. But overall, that sort of you know conversation we had about, well, like I'm spending too much time in the kitchen. I can't spend enough time on sales. How did how has that shifted since we uh, since we spoke? So uh, I have made the decision to move forward, and that was exactly the right step towards uh, you know focusing on sales or you know spending more time networking and doing in person demos, which is very important, especially if you're a small brand, to get your product in front of people. And uh, as I would say, on the third, it was definitely. Uh, having more time for yourself and balancing a work life so even though you know you had to maybe babysit the co-packer at some occasions and do go in for quality checks and so on um it was definitely worse to trouble and even the last year it was just such a learning curve um that i feel very um happy about where i am right now and, you know, I see a path going forward that will be um, successful. I'm, I'm so, I'm so happy to hear that. Thank you. <laughs> um, and, and relieved that again, I, uh, that, that my advice, at least some of my suggestions may, may have been helpful in, in, in some way. Obviously you, you went out and executed it, um, which is amazing. So, uh, okay. So we've uh, the the other question, right, was that we talked about last time was, you know, how are you going to move forward with your current resources, right? You had productions, I, I believe you had other production staff in the kitchen, and um, what are what are those people doing now? How are they helping the business move forward? So um, some of those people I'm still in contact with, and we're doing events and shows together, um, same awesome. as demoing. You know, but basically I took those people and utilized them now in different ways because I know we, we get along. We like working together. Um, they take my instruction. Well, we kind of became friends, you know, so <laughs> it is uh, it is nice to see uh, them doing other things as well. You know, I recommend them to other brands. And uh, yeah, it's been uh, it's been a good um, journey for them as well. Amazing. Well, um, it sounds like things have come full circle and I hope everything with this new co-packer goes as smoothly as you and I think everybody wants it to go for you. Um, any, any other tips you want to share with folks? I mean, I know you've, you've shared a lot of great, uh, great things about preparing in advance and uh but anything else that comes to mind but i'm not really i mean for me it was really about i mean the main point to moving into co-packing was really because somebody was knowledgeable and like this agency for example um but other than that i think everybody has to find their own way what works for them right um yeah yeah uh, awesome. Well, Catherine, can you, um, you know what I would love to do actually is maybe even check back in in six months and see see how your new co-packer is doing, uh, bring you back on the podcast. I think it's always fun to check in and see see how people are doing and moving forward and growing, growing their business. And um, I think it's fun for, you know, our listeners and our students too, to 
to see the the candid side of, you know, yes, you can go into co-packing. It's not always a smooth and straight line, but uh, eventually it is it ends up being worth it. Uh, and and I think, you know, e- even if you, you get some bumps and bruises uh, along the way. <laughs> exactly. Uh, so, uh, Kevin, do you mind just telling telling everybody where they can find Planet Bake now on all, all of the new stores that you're in? So we're currently um, in the New York market, Northeast Connecticut, New Hampshire, Philadelphia. We just hired a distribution company, um, some stores in California, um, some stores in Florida. <laughs> you know, we're, we're trying to see what is a good market for us moving into. And everybody can find me on planet-bake.com or on LinkedIn. Amazing. Catherine, thank you again for coming back on the show. I uh, love this conversation and really, really genuinely looking forward to seeing how everything goes with this new co-packer. Uh, thank you for sharing your story with our listeners and our students. Um, and to our listeners, uh, thank you guys for tuning in to this episode with Catherine from Planet Date. Uh, this is exactly the type of one-on-one consulting that I do exclusively for Retail Ready students day in and day out. Uh, I can't wait to hear what you thought of our episode, and I hope you will cheer Catherine on for success with her new co-packer, and thank you for listening. Thank you again, Catherine. Thank you, Charlie. You're very welcome. Thanks for listening to Food Biz Whiz. If you're enjoying this podcast and the tools it gives you for growing your packaged product business, please subscribe so you never miss an episode. From one small business owner to another, I am deeply grateful for your support of this podcast, and I appreciate it when you share it with your fellow food founders, share it on social media, or leave me a review on your listening platform. Ready for more? Find out how we can work together at foodbizwiz.com. I'll see you right back here next week.